0: Thank you, Ivan, for leading us in service. Good evening, everyone. My name is Han and I'm one of the pastoral staff here at ARPC. And it is a privilege for me to preach to you today. And if you need to refer to the outline, you can refer it in the e-bulletin. So let us begin by asking, what is the greatest life-changing event in your life? The first slide comes up. So for the younger ones, it could be having the best toy or getting to your best the best school or the school of your choice. Over those later in life, perhaps it is getting into your dream job in a competitive field, or being able to secure that coveted BTO in a great location, or going on an exclusive uni exchange program. So these are some once-in-a-lifetime opportunities that we long and strive for. So in 2009, uh, Tourism Queensland in Australia launched the best job in the world advert. This slide comes up. So what is the best job in the world? And what was the job description and the benefits? Well, it was to be a caretaker of the beautiful, some beautiful Great Barrier Reef Islands for half a year. Now the job description actually included recording web videos, blogging, and creating photo diaries of the islands. So what would the winner of this competition get? A handsome salary, free lodging in a multi-million dollar villa, and free transportation around the islands. Now, can you guess how many people actually applied for this job? Well, over 35,000 applicants from over 200 countries. They were narrowed down to 16 finalists, but there could only be one winner. And that job was finally awarded to Ben Southall, a charity fundraiser from the UK. And after completing the dream job, do you know what happened to him? Well, Ben settled in Australia and he set up his own adventure firm which is Best Life Adventures. This helps startups and people embark on their own extreme expeditions around the world. That dream job was not just the greatest life changer for Ben, but for countless people. Now what about for me? What has been the greatest life-changing event of my life? Well, getting married was a big one, Uh, but nothing prepared me for the even bigger moment of becoming a parent. Ah, your life is really never the same again. Not only are you perpetually uh, sleep-deprived, but you no longer have the luxury to eat a meal or watch a show, even in peace. But at the same time, I have experienced deeper and fuller joy than ever before. From first carrying my baby daughter in my arms to now seeing her grow day by day under God to learn more about this world and life under God. And more than 2,000 years ago, the greatest life-changing event happened for the world and for all time. This most momentous and life-changing event had three sides to it. Next slide. So the greatest event through the humblest birth, the greatest event through the greatest assurance, and finally, the greatest and humblest response. So let us look at the passage to explore the prophecy and the importance of Jesus' birth. So the next slide. Now the author Luke, in verse 26 to 30, sets the scene for us. God sends the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy. Now what was Nazareth and what was it known for? The next slide about uh, Nazareth. Well, nothing much from this picture as we get it in this drawing. Um, Just a small provincial town in the words of one Disney princess or Belle from Beauty and the Beast. But In all seriousness, it was unremarkable. Well, excavations have uncovered a small farming town with olive presses, wells, storage spaces for wine and oil. Now, Nazareth would not be on any trip advisor as a must-visit place. You can dismiss it from your travel itinerary and not feel you missed something important, unlike visitors to Sweden missing the Northern Lights, or tourists to Alaska missing whale-watching. Well, Nothing about Nazareth would have indicated that this might be the birthplace of our Savior of Israel and of the world. Now Luke is telling his readers that Jesus the King is not going to be born in a royal palace or in Jerusalem. Next slide. But Jesus is actually going to come from Nazareth, the most unexpected, forgettable, and forsaken of places. See, in unremarkable Nazareth, who is the angel Gabriel supposed to look for? So the Jews would have expected an angel to appear to a prophet, the priest, or someone important in Israelite society. But God sent the angel Gabriel to Mary. in the Next slide. See, Mary was a virgin or an unmarried girl betrothed to a man, Joseph, from the house of David. And Mary and Joseph are very unremarkable, forgettable people. So God sends his angel to announce the greatest news to these very forgettable people. And what do we know of Mary and Joseph? Next slide. So they were betrothed, which simply means they were pledged to be married from young. But the fact that Luke highlights for us three times in these 12 verses is this, that Mary is a virgin. Why? It is to show the human impossibility of this greatest event, that a virgin shall conceive and bear a son. See, being unmarried and pregnant at that time are completely incompatible in that culture and of that time period. Now the angel Gabriel finds Mary and he greets her with two staggering truths, that she is the favoured one chosen by God and the Lord is with her. It is like walking up and down and out in person in the streets of London and offering them the Order of the British Empire, or the OBE for short. Or perhaps here in Singapore, in our local context, it's probably like offering anyone loitering on the street the highest National Day award for nation building. But how does Mary respond to this? Well, she's first startled, she's troubled and perhaps confused by the angel's greeting. See, in human eyes, this lowly Jewish teenager, Mary, would be a very unlikely choice. But from God's eyes, we see Mary was highly favored. And far from being sidelined by God, she is assured that the Lord is with her. Perhaps she does not understand why she is the favoured one, and why the Lord would be with her. After all, especially when God was silent to the Israelites of that day, at that time, the Israelites were under Roman rule. And it is estimated that about 400 years had passed since God had appeared and had spoken to them. Now when we quarrel at home, we often give each other the silent treatment. And sometimes our cold war and the silent treatment for a day can feel like an eternity, let alone 400 years. And now God breaks his silence for the greatest world-changing event. And Luke is out to say that God's greatest salvation will take place at the lowliest of places and be carried out by the most unlikely people such as Mary and Joseph. But from verse 31 to 33, in the next slide, the focus shifts from unremarkable Nazareth and unexpected Mary to Jesus. See, here, Gabriel announces three very important qualities, or VIQs, of Jesus. So the first is, this baby is called be Jesus, which is in Hebrew, Joshua, and that means the Lord is salvation. Second, not only will he be great, he will be known as the Son of the Most High. Now, Most High is a title reserved not for any man, but for God Almighty. And finally, God will also give the throne, Jesus the throne of his father, David, Now this is meaning to say that Jesus is the promised chosen one who will ascend the throne of David. It is Jesus, not David, who will rule over the house of Jacob forever. And furthermore, Jesus is the one who will bring a new kingdom which will never end. And we know that this kingdom is where eternal peace between God and man will reign And put together, these three VIQs of Jesus are, he has come to save, he is both human and divine, and he will bring in the righteous rule of God forever. Now what are some of the greatest empires to have ever existed? The longest to have lasted is the Roman Empire, which was some 1,500 years And the largest in terms of land size was the British Empire. And the current empire, which is the USA, is so worried about its superpower status coming to an end. But all human empires, no matter how big or great, will fall short in longevity and majesty. And nothing can outmatch Jesus' dominion which lasts forever. But just as Gabriel began by assuring Mary of God's favor, she sincerely asked Gabriel, how will this be, since I am a virgin? Now, remember my sharing of my greatest life-changing event of becoming a parent? Well, when my wife and I first found out, we were a mix of emotions mainly shock, happiness, and excitement, when we saw the positive result on the pregnancy test kit. Then my mixed bag of emotions began to give way to fear and uncertainty as it dawned upon me that I was going to be a father. Some thoughts of such as, how am I going to provide for my family in the future What, would I make a good dad? Uh, Would I know how to lead my family uh, spiritually and the Lord? Sprung into my mind, all these thoughts. And I had to quickly surrender all these thoughts to God. Of course, my experience pales in comparison to Mary's. It's pressurizing enough that when we parents are dealing with a child, uh, conceiving a child in marriage, She was dealing with the future birth of God's child in her unmarried state. Now, how is this possible? Well, the answer is, this is humanly impossible, but divinely possible. See, this divine enabling of marrying is seen in the repeated word, holy, in verses 34 to 37. And in verse 35, the Holy Spirit will come upon her, meaning it is the Holy Spirit who performs this miracle. Then the Most High, meaning God, will overshadow her. And we learn from Exodus of God being in the cloud with Moses and the Israelites. So just as God was with his people in the Old Testament, God is going to be with Mary Because God is the one who helps Mary conceive Jesus, and therefore Jesus is called holy. And holy means is set apart. If that wasn't enough, Gabriel has a double confirmation, revealing in verse 36 that Elizabeth, Mary's older cousin, who had been barren for so many years, is finally with child in her old age. And this is the same God who works miraculously through the ages in enabling barren women to bear children, from Sarah in Genesis and all the way to Elizabeth in Luke's Gospel. We see here that nothing is impossible with the living God. He is the faithful God who is sovereign enough to use the weakness of the most unlikely people in the unlikeliest of circumstances, to give us Jesus and salvation. Now how does Mary respond? Next slide. We see here in verse 38, she declares, It let it be to me according to your word. And she does not reject God in the midst of her confusion or potential shame and say, let it be to someone else and neither does she say let it be to me according to my word no she doesn't say that mary's response is one of simple faith expressed in obedience and how does she demonstrate her full obedience she describes herself as the lord as the servant of the lord meaning that she agrees to serve the Lord fully. And why? Why does she do that? Well, it is what one commentator calls Mary's quiet heroism. Mary's quiet heroism? What does that mean? Well, let us consider her circumstances more deeply. Well, She not only had to endure the looks or the judgment of others, as the pregnancy began to show, but she would also face the possible divorce that Joseph was considering. And there was always the possibility of the death penalty for adultery, even though it was rare. But despite all these pressing burdens, you see, Mary recognized the will of God and submitted. And our greatest response that we can give before Jesus is humility. The right response to Jesus and God's offer of salvation calls for our humblest response. So the challenge for us is comes in three ways. Don't just think about it and delay in believing. Second, don't just listen and ignore The message instead step out in simple faith do the next best thing obey no matter how hard no matter how contrary no matter how unlikely the circumstances so as we read this passage what does this mean for us what can we take away from this passage and apply this in our lives Well, I think for me, the biggest lesson from this passage is that nothing is impossible with God. And from start to finish of the gospel story, God keeps inviting the most unlikely people through unlikely circumstances through his salvation plan. And all we need to do is to step out in quiet heroism like Mary in her unlikely circumstances. So my wife was sharing uh, Tim Chalice's blog post, who is a famous Canadian pastor and famous Christian blogger, and how he traced his own salvation to his father, and from his father to his father's university friend, who shared the gospel with him. Now that friend's simple faith, and obedience to step out in love and in courage and to befriend and share Jesus changed the course of the destinies of three generations. Firstly, Tim's father and mother, Tim and his siblings, and finally, Tim's children. So I wonder whether a similar story could be shared of my family's faith journey. So it began with an English family that kindly housed my mom as a student and led her to her salvation. It was the act of simple faith and love and obedience to God to love my mom as a foreign student. And similarly, that changed the course of her eternal destiny. My mom then wrote to my dad, who was studying in Australia, and who was not a believer yet, about her love for Jesus. So in God's time, my dad ended ended up being saved at the Billy Graham crusade in Sydney. And fast forward, my parents met up again in Singapore, and they got married. And thereafter, my sister and myself came along and completed their life. And now, I cannot believe that my wife and I are honored to teach and impact our young daughter Eden for Jesus. But our faith and obedience in Jesus and passing on to our children is not a walk in the park. Next slide. So here is a picture of me looking after my daughter. And uh, you may ask who's looking after who. In this case um, but every time my wife and i look at this photo we still have a good laugh and some days we are so tired and flat out as parents uh, we fail even to keep awake as it was in this case but god works through our weaknesses so for the many young couples in ARPC and out there listening to this Let us spur one another to God's unlikely to be God's unlikely vessels in the greatest event of salvation. So what we do every day, carrying our babies, feeding them, changing their nappies, cooking mushy meals, is taught by prayers and by Bible reading, may not look very fruitful, heroic, or dramatic. But God uses all our weaknesses to live in faith and obedience so that generation after generation will come to believe. And that's perhaps a small picture of how we can truly respond to the humblest birth of Jesus by passing it on to others. Your life and my life does not need to be filled with great events or experiences such as having the best job, the best toys, the best school, the best holiday, or the best achievements. It can be filled with simple moments of great love to share the love of Jesus. We need to remember and exercise Mary's quiet heroism, where even in the midst of testing her circumstances, We simply need to step out in simple faith. Amen.